knowledge is power and we are all about empowering the mamas of the world. In each episode, we will unravel and interpret the latest research and evidence-based practices for pregnancy, postpartum and motherhood. As mums and researchers ourselves, we have experienced firsthand the overwhelming complexity of information, myths and those classic old wives' tales. I'm Dr. Renee White. And I'm Dr. Mika Petrucci. And And this this is The Science of Motherhood. Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 20 of the podcast. Now, for all those following us on social media, you would have seen that we've had a few changes over at Fill Your Cup as postpartum doulas. I, Renee White, um, your co-host here, have moved to the lovely Apple Isle, Tasmania. So I'm now located in Hobart. So we have expanded our postpartum doula business down here. Whilst Mika is still on maternity leave, she will be servicing Melbourne mummers when she is back next year in 2022. So as part of getting to know Tasmania, and all the beautiful people down here, I reached out and connected with some lovely, lovely ladies who I will be bringing onto the podcast in future episodes. But one of them I have interviewed today and her name is Cherie Chug and she is a Tasmania's one and only calm birth educator. She was a doula, I guess, in a previous life, and she still does do the occasional doula work, but she spends most of her time educating beautiful mamas and their partners about preparing for childbirth. Now, Cherie knew from her own personal experience that having an understanding of what was going to be happening to her body helped eliminate her fears around childbirth. And we talk about this throughout the interview. And she was saying how, you know, during each one of her birthing experiences, she was really fortunate enough to have this amazing midwife who spent time with her every month explaining and teaching her the things she needed to know to prepare her for the birth. And I guess from there, that's how it evolved into who she is now, an educator and someone who teaches women how to feel calm and prepare and give them the tools for when this huge milestone of giving birth to their beautiful baby. During the episode, you will hear about what makes calm birth different from other birthing classes the types of topics that they cover during the class and also how Cherie approaches, I guess, you know, a variety of different people. We're all coming from different experiences, whether it be as a first-time parent or someone who has experienced birth trauma as well. And these are really important things to understand going into your birth experience and how you are going to empower yourself to make it the most positive 
event that you possibly can. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you are living in Tasmania, send us a DM on Instagram and we can connect. I would love to hear from mamas or mamas to be and we could work with you with our postpartum doula packages. Enjoy this episode with Cherie. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Cherie from Calm Birth. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, um, we just need to do a little shout out because you are actually doing this from your holiday in Queensland. You are a Taswegian as um, I have now become a Taswegian. This is my first podcast from Tasmania. And so as part of that, I think just reaching out to some fellow Tasmanians and finding out about the birth space and how people are supporting mamas down here on the Apple Isle. Now you are Tasmania's one and only calm birth educator. Is that still standing? It is at the moment, but I just have found out recently that I think three or four um, midwives have trained up in the last um, training for educators. So there will be someone in Launceston extra apart from me and someone down the coast, I think, and possibly two in Hobart. Oh, amazing. Amazing. So excited about that because I find it really difficult to reach all of the state. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. So I'm located in Hobart now, which is going to be amazing. That was actually going to be one of my questions if we knew anyone who was training up, which is great. So Calm Birth, what drew you to the Calm Birth scene? What were you doing prior to that? And I guess, why did you pick Calm Birth? Well, I um, I think it was 14 years ago I trained as a doula. And I just felt like my work as a doula wasn't reaching a wide enough community to prepare couples for childbirth. And I thought, oh, how can I reach more people? Because it's like a certain percentage of people that can afford a doula or choose to hire a doula. And I'm like, how can I reach more people and get them confident and excited and, I don't know, I guess empowered about birth and not so afraid of it? And I thought maybe I could teach some childbirth classes. So I just did a little bit of a search online and a few, a couple came up, Calm Earth, I looked at that and it was, I don't know, it kind of really felt like the one for me. I liked what I saw as far as what they taught and how they taught and it um, had a good reputation Australia-wide. It was based in Australia, founded in Australia and I really liked that as well. Mm-hmm. So I had to apply to become a calm birth educator okay. and they don't just accept anyone. You actually have to be someone that is an experienced person in um, childbirth. So yeah, I sent off my application and was so excited that they accepted and yeah, it started from there. That's amazing. And was there kind of backtracking, becoming a doula, was there something about your own birth experiences that kind of drew you to this particular type of work? How many how many kids do you have? I have three. three. Two boys and a girl. Okay. Yeah. And they're ages um, 26 down to 21. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I guess it probably started from my own experience as a mum giving birth. And I had my babies through the Lawn System Birth Centre. Mm-hmm. And I had um, the same midwife the whole way through that really gave me that education that I think contributed to really positive birth experiences. And I think it started from there. I remember saying one day, I want to do what you do. And I just, I want to be able to help other people have positive experiences. Mm -hmm. Her daughter actually said to me, have you heard of a doula? Because I said, I don't really want to be a midwife, but maybe I do, but I didn't like the, the study side of it. And I didn't really want to be a nurse. I was just passionate about being with women and, and talking about birth, like even before I trained as a doula, I would just be more than happy to chat about pregnancy and birth to anyone all day long. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's where it started. So she said, have you heard of a doula? I'm like, no, what's that? And so she told me about a doula. And so, yeah, that's where I started to look into that and decided that's what I wanted to do. So you obviously had three quite positive birth experiences and you've touched on the fact that you know that continuity of care was so important that seems to be this really big movement at the moment particularly with the documentary birth time and that's all kind of you know coming to a forefront and and that's what we're seeing for people who I guess can't access you know, that midwife, that consistency of care. Do you see a space for doulas? You know, that's, you know, perhaps you're seeing an obstetrician who is in a shared practice and you're not really sure whether you're going to actually have that obstetrician on the day of your birth. Do you think that that's where people can tap in and and where a doula would be helpful to get that continuity of care? Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, doulas are more common now and like when I was first training and working as a doula most people would say you're a what you're a doula yes I'm a doula and they like had no idea what that was but now most people have heard of them and and are searching them out and they definitely do feel that gap because the continuity of care that you might get from an obstetrician is Perhaps you might see them at all your visits, but the likelihood of them being there throughout your whole labour is very low. Mm. Whereas a doula will be there from the start to the finish. She's not changing shifts and, you know, she's really going to be there for you. So, you know, I often say to people in my classes, if you feel like, you know, once you've had the education and the knowledge that Calm Birth teaches, if you feel like you need that extra support other than your partner, then a doula is the perfect, perfect person for that. And they also will give you all a heap of education as well. So that's another great thing and that support afterwards too. Absolutely. I um, completely, completely agree with that. And I think going back to, you know, the fact that a lot of people don't really know what a doula is, I think there's still some, there still needs to be some education around that because, I mean, I had my daughter four and a half years ago and I think my impression of a doula was something that was a bit hippie and you know do they bring crystals and you know being a science nerd I'm kind of down the other end of the spectrum I'm like very facts and you know um, I need to see the hard evidence and I just kind of thought it was a bit airy fairy for me but I can honestly say that if I was going to have another child which I'm not I'm definitely one and done (laughs) 
But I would have loved to have had that person in, you know, in my corner who's essentially your champion, your support person mm. through that, through the labor. And, you know, you're building that relationship with them throughout your pregnancy as well. So it's that trust and experience going into what is effectively a marathon event. So I think the doulas are just so, so important and very underrated and undervalued, I think, in, in the birthing system. Yeah. Yeah. It's a massive job that doulas do and yeah. the amount of hours they put in and, you know, the nights where they don't sleep well because someone's due and, you know, that could be four weeks, even longer, where they're actually waiting for someone to have their baby. So it's it's a massive commitment to be a doula. And, yeah, I think the more people know about the role and understand the value, they will be more than happy to. So many people that have had a doula said they would pay anything, you know, just, yeah, definitely worth it. Yeah. Mm. And so there are a few other, I guess, companies out there and even, you know, private groups who are doing birthing classes what is it about calm birth that kind of differentiates from the rest of them? Is Are there a few key things that are just standouts? I think like from chatting, I've got a few friends in Launceston as well that are teaching some other education classes. Mm-hmm. And from speaking with them, because I've not sat in on any other education class, I've yep. kind of only experienced the education I got from my private midwife. But I think a lot of them are teaching similar things. But I know with Calm Birth, one of the main things that I think stands out is that it's very evidence-based, very scientific-based. And they're so, like the program you run and the, you know, everything that you cover, if you did Calm Birth in Melbourne or if you did it in Sydney or you did it in Tassie, you know you'd be getting the same education, that, you know, certain things that we're required to teach. And there's you know, real good follow-up with that so that the head office knows that we're actually teaching what we should do Mm -hmm. as the couples all fill out the evaluation forms. And I think also it's um, they won't allow you to train as an educator unless you've actually spent time with women in pregnancy and in labour and in childbirth. So I think that's a huge difference from some of the other um, courses that are out there so people can actually you know, train up and teach different classes but not have had that one-on-one time with women in the labour room. And I've had so much feedback from couples that, you know, they love hearing my stories about my experience in the birth room and I think that's really quite powerful for them, you know, when they're listening to me and, you know, taking in all the knowledge and stuff I'm teaching them, a lot of that comes from my own personal stories from situations I've been in as a doula. So I've been working as a support person which their partners are in the room and that's going to be their role. So Mm -hmm. I think they find that, you know, really helpful. And that's, I think, one of the standout things about Karma. Yeah, absolutely. It's one thing to have the theory and be able to read it in a book and be taught, but it's a completely different scenario to have that practical experience under your belt. So that's that's amazing. And I'm I'm actually quite glad that they make it quite restrictive for the mm. educators. That's really, really unpromising. And you know that you're going to get a really good teacher for that birth process. It's such an important time and you yeah, you don't want people who are going to feed you misinformation or anything like that. So just on on that, 
can you talk us through the types of topics that you cover in your calm birth classes and just on that, I think it's kind of a two-part question. When you're teaching those classes, I'm assuming that you've got a variety of different people and backgrounds. You know, you've got first-time parents or second-time, third-time parents and then, you know, maybe people who've experienced birth trauma, which, you know, we know is one in three women within Australia. How do you how do you adapt those topics to cater for for such a variety of people. Yeah, it does alter the class a little bit. And so with their registration form, I already know a little bit about their background, whether they're first-time parents or whether this is their second. Yeah, so I do, you know, have to adjust things slightly, but most of the time it's pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's the same with all walks of life. You know, you've got different people a lot of people recently that are doctors and midwives that are coming, doctors and nurses. So all their experience around childbirth is where things go wrong. Right. And so they have got to see, you know, what it's about when things actually are going well because they're only called upon in emergencies. So, yeah, it does make it a little bit different. I've had some parents where it's their second birth and they've come to calm birth because the first one was quite traumatic and they, you know, want to change that. And so you know, kind of navigating the discussions and conversations. So as they're they're able to share, share part of their birth experience from the time before, but to kind of lead and guide that so it's not putting fear into the other couples that are first-time parents that are sitting there thinking, oh, what, oh, you know, yeah. they're telling couple stories. This isn't what we want to hear. So, but most of the time, it you know, it just flows and it's quite easy. I teach about usually five couples in my group. So I teach it from home. So the groups are not are not massive. That's the most amount I can teach. And I think that helps with, you know, keeping that conversation going and, you know, in a nice group environment. But, yeah, the topics we teach, I did make a few notes so I wouldn't miss any because I knew you'd <laughs> ask this question. So we do start with understanding the psychology of birth and how the mental state and thoughts and beliefs really affect that experience so I guess it's a real foundation of the course is that mind-body connection and what's of the mind the body acts out and Peter Jackson who wrote the Calm Birth program he's been a midwife for over 40 years but he's also done a lot of research and training in mental health and when he started to study mental health he was like oh hang on how is mental health really impacting women in birth and so this is you know where he's you know, thoughts came from when he put the Kamba program together, he realised how powerful, you know, what's going on in our mind really impact, impacts and affects us physically. And so we do talk quite a bit about that. We also cover the physiology of birth. So we look at all the stages of labour. We look at the hormones and how they help us and um, the uterus and all about that amazing muscle. So we kind of empower people with knowledge. It's very much about with knowledge comes confidence. And, you know, the more you understand how amazing your body is and how it's meant to work, the more confident you feel, more empowered, the more you're going to trust your body. We also have tools, techniques, practical skills to help mentally and physically. So we have the calm birth breathing techniques. We teach calm birth relaxation and calm birth visualization. We have some different massage techniques. We teach acupressure points and also look at a few of the spinning babies things as well. So 
there's that aspect to the class, um, the role of the partner and what they can do to help. And, you know, by the end of that session, the guys are feeling like um, the partners are feeling very much like they have got a huge long list of things to try and they're definitely not going to say afterwards, well, I didn't know what to do. So that's a really good Yeah, section. no excuses now. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, you've got to do the hard work as well. Yeah. You're not just sitting back um, watching. And most of them are super keen. They actually want to know how they can support their partner. And, yeah, so that's really important. Preparation for all possibilities. So we look at anything that could possibly not go exactly how you thought it might so you have understanding and knowledge of that and how to work with that and how to apply the calm earth tools to those situations we are really um encouraging people to just accept their birth journey for what it is we don't put this expectation that your birth has to look a certain way it's very much there's no failure in birth and no matter how your birth unfolds you should feel proud and empowered whether that meant it was drug-free, whether you had every drug available to you, whether you ended up and you had a cesarean birth, there's no failure in birth. And so we don't put any pressure on people at all to kind of leave the class with this high expectation of how your birth might look. We also talk about conscious parenting. So being aware of, you know, that baby in the womb and building that connection before the birth of the baby, but also how to protect the baby in those days and weeks afterwards and, you know, helping the baby transition from the womb to outside the womb and how to take care of yourself. And as a couple, how you can, you know, um, adjust to life with three of you or depending if you've got more babies, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we cover a few extra things, you know, like breastfeeding, but don't go into heaps of details. And yeah, so that's the basis of the Calm Birth Program. Wow. That's a lot to unpack. I'm going to go back to the beginning mental health and and you're talking about trust and the reason why I wanted to flag this was anyone who's listened to my birth story I think it's on episode three of our podcast you would have definitely have heard from me around the fact that my brain just completely spiraled when I went on mat leave so I was a bit of a um, workaholic career freak and then I went on mat leave and I was like okay, I have nothing to do except for wait for this child to arrive. And um, my brain just went, computer says no, <laughs> you know, and my brain just spiraled. And I, again, looking back, it would have been really nice to have had, I guess, the knowledge and understanding and empowerment and trust in my own body that it's doing what it needs to be doing and be patient and everything will kind of be what it will be. And I, I flagged this more than once in our podcast. You know, I, I'm a researcher by trade, yet I did very, very minimal research into actual birth and labor. I could tell you the size of my child at any point of the game, you know, what what size fruit or vegetable it was every week. But I had no understanding of the birthing process because I think I just thought, oh, you know, it'll be fine. I'm just going to go with the flow and what have you. Whereas Mika, who's my other co-host of this podcast normally, she's um, enjoying some mat leave with her baby. I'm pretty sure she did a calm birth class. <laughs> And she, I think it was quote unquote, she walked out and thought, 
we've got this. You know, we've totally got this. And her partner was the same. He was just like, we've totally got this. We're so ready. And I would have loved to have felt like that. I did the stock standard, you know, hospital class and it wasn't very empowering at all. Um, If anything, I walked out with dread thinking, I didn't learn anything. What was that all about? I think I just wasted two hours of my life, (laughs) you know, and now I'm just hungry and sore because I've been sitting in a chair when I was like 35 (laughs) weeks pregnant or something like that. The only good part about that, that class was that they gave you free juice boxes and I loved the juice boxes. That was the only reason I kept coming back, (laughs) 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 which is a really bad reason to keep going back, Renee. That's a really bad reason, but no, I really... I like the fact that Peter Jackson went back and thought mental health, how is this affecting women? How is this? Because it's it's so psychological when it comes to labour and birthing. I ended up having a C-section because I just completely lost the plot and they were like, no, let's get this baby out before it goes haywire because I just didn't trust my body. I didn't trust the system. I didn't trust what was about to unfold so that would have been a really nice thing to have had the other um, aspect that I want to talk about you so you mentioned spinning babies can you just touch on that and expand on that because I'm not sure I'm not sure how many of our listeners will actually know what spinning babies is yeah so spinning babies is there's a website which I send all my calm birth couples to. I'm like, check out Spinning Babies. And I had signed up to do their education in Melbourne just before they went down to down into lockdown recently, oh. back in August, I think. And so they what they do is they use lots of techniques, you know, different positions, different stretching to help a woman get her baby into the ideal position for labour. And so what a lot of people don't realise is when your baby's not in that ideal anterior position, it really does affect your labour, the length of the labour, you know, whether you've got a lot of back pain and a whole range of things. And so spinning babies is a great tool to help you move your baby into that ideal position in preparation for labour, but also there are techniques you can use when you are in labour. And so the posterior position is when the baby's back is sitting more towards the front of the pregnant woman rather than spin, spun around with the baby's back against your back. And so, yeah, there are daily exercises that women can do. There's like heaps of videos on there. And yeah, a lot of midwives and doulas are using the spinning babies techniques in labour and really seeing a difference. And I think if the partners can have a few of those techniques to do in labour, um, that's a great thing as well. So, yeah. Is that a free service? You can just jump on? and have Yeah, it's free. There are some that you can actually pay for, but they're not very expensive. And then it's just like you can download the videos. I think it's, I haven't checked lately, but maybe it's about less than $15 to oh, download the amazing. daily exercises for pregnant women. Yeah, but there's heaps of free stuff on there, lots of videos, and it explains it really well. Amazing. Yeah. I will make sure that we link that in the show notes, which will be on our website for everyone listening. I wanted to ask you a few rapid fire questions, which is kind of how we wrap things up. And I, I love this part of it also <laughs> because it kind of gets gets a few uh, questions going. 
How do you prepare women for the most positive birth experience? What would be, I guess, your, you know, top, top tips if you had to give like three? I would say get some education. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if for whatever reason someone can't get to my class or they've just at the last minute found out, Oh, I should have been doing something and I don't have time. Mm. I would say get hold of Ina Mae Gaskin's book, Guide to Childbirth, and read that. It's got amazing birth stories and you just, by reading those positive birth stories, it really does empower you to understand your body and to trust your body. Um, so that would probably be my number one tip. Mm-hmm. I think try to not allow your mind to take control of your body like the more you let go the better the more you go with the flow the better because when we start thinking and overthinking and and we kind of are afraid or don't trust our bodies that's when we tense up and that fear comes in and then the body actually just freezes and I guess you know when you do the calm birth program we talk about the stress response versus the relaxation response and you know when you're tense you're in that stress response which is that fight or flight and that just affects labor in a huge way mm-hmm. so you know being able to just let go and allow your body to do its thing um, I think is a huge thing as well just having that trust in your body That's having okay. that education you know getting hold of that book if you can't do a class and just trusting your body's ability and just letting yeah. go do you have any tips for inducing a natural labor? Any, it could even be, I mean, we hear of the go eat, a, go eat a curry, go for a walk, go have some sex. Um, what, what's your, do you have a top tip or do you have like a, a winning, a winning recommendation? Cause I'm thinking, you know, there's probably some pregnant mamas out there who are, you know, 39, 40 weeks, and they're just like, come on, baby, let's do this. Yeah, I just, it comes up in my class and everybody always wants to know. And, you know, I think ultimately nothing's going to work if the baby's not ready. But I think the more you encourage oxytocin, because labour does not happen without oxytocin, Mm -hmm. you know, that's probably going to be the biggest thing that will trigger that. So oxytocin is the hormone of love. So yes, this is why people say, you know, have sex, anything that's going to get oxytocin flowing, that could trigger labour. There are a huge range of weird things online, um, (laughs) eating a whole pineapple. There are so many different things. My friend tried that. (laughs) Did it work? Um, did it work? I don't think it did. Her son, I think she birthed him maybe a couple of days after, but she was so funny. She was eating a pineapple and a curry while bouncing on the football. Yes. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> she's just covering all the bases. Was the nipple stimulation? Yeah, the she, prob- she probably was. <laughs> and she was probably watching a comedy as well while, you know, getting getting yeah. those laughs in yeah. for the oxytocin um, yeah. peak. Yeah, it's funny how you just kind of try. So, what did you do? Were you you going into? If you were over forty-one weeks, there's more high chance that any of those things are going to work. Yeah, definitely not before forty, forty-one weeks. Yeah, all my babies were thirteen days overdue. Wow! My couples that you know, and with 
my first son, I did take castor oil at maybe maybe day 12, 12 days overdue. And yes, taking castor oil does give you the runs and lots of midwives will tell you to not do not do that. But I was getting desperate. I was 12 days overdue. And so I tried that. And then within a few hours, I had diarrhea. Mm. And then a couple of hours after that contraction started. And so, you know, it could have triggered labor or maybe I was going to go into labor anyway. And then with my second and third, they were both 13 days overdue as well. And I didn't do that. So I just think some women are pregnant for longer and that's normal for them and you know each baby was a different size so my first one was nine pounds something my second eight pounds something and my third seven pounds something and so you know being a certain amount of days overdue does not justify your baby's getting bigger and it's going to be too big to birth either and so yeah um, but that, yeah, the baby will come when it's ready. Exactly. And that's a really interesting point. And I know I've promised the listeners this before I completely uprooted myself and packed a house in two weeks and moved into state. But I am searching for someone to have on the podcast who is an ultrasound expert because I really want to know why do we keep getting told that our babies are so big or so small and then we birth them and then they're average or they're the complete opposite or whatever the case may be. And everyone keeps telling me, oh, well, you know, it's really tough to take measurements and things like that. But I'm just like, it's 2021 people. (laughs) We got to the moon in the 60s. How can we not work out how much a kid weighs and what the dimensions are already? Like it's just crazy. I think we're better off to not know and just – go with the flow and trust our bodies. That is probably very true. I do have a friend currently who she is going to, she's due in a couple of weeks and they've told her that she's got a very big baby. And I just kind of think, I don't think that that's very helpful. Like, like what, as if to say, what do you want me to do with that information? <laughs> you know, do we, do you want me to put my child on a diet in utero? Like, What's going on? Oh, I, I just don't get it um, when people tell you that because I feel like, again, going back to that mental state, I feel like you're setting women up for failure going, oh, God, this is either going to really, really hurt or I'm going to mm-hmm. tear. This is going to be yep. a really challenging birthing process. Like nothing is – nothing. Po- I don't think anything positive is going to be achieved by telling women okay. that they've got a really big baby in there. Yeah, it's just going to pop in little fear, fear thoughts. Yeah, exactly, exactly. A question that I always ask, particularly women in the birthing space, is what your go-to resource is for birthing mothers. Now, obviously, Calm Birth Class would be number one, and you've just mentioned a couple of books as well. Is there anything else that you highly recommend for birthing mums? I did also suggest spinning babies yeah. and possums is a great research. Yes, we love possums. As well. Yeah, and so, you know, for breastfeeding and sleeping, I always recommend that they check out their website. I also have a copy of her book as well. So, yeah, they're probably the main three that I would recommend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for the dads, the Cheers to Childbirth, I think, is a great book. And there's the program, the, is it Beer and Bubs? 
they were running that in the pubs just for the dads. And yes. um, there was a guy from Hobart coming up to teach in Launceston every few months, but I don't think he is at the moment. And I know a lot of dads find that really helpful because they can ask questions just with the other dads around as well. So, yeah. That's a good one because I think a lot of the time partners kind of get lost in the mix. Mm-hmm. I, I know my husband he asked a lot of questions at the birthing classes. So I think he asked enough questions for everyone in the room. <laughs> but there are some people who That's are, right. you know, um, some of the questions I was like, please be quiet now. <laughs> I was just like, don't ask that. Um, but I think, you know, for people who are introverts and perhaps think, oh, you know, it's more important that, you know, the birthing person asks a question or something like that, you know, they don't want to be a burden. I think that's a really good opportunity for them to have a voice and also be recognized within the process because albeit they're not actually birthing the child themselves, as we've touched on already, arguably mm. their role is quite important not more important but quite important because they're that support person and they need to be supported and educated to then support the mother through birth and then postpartum as well it's really really tough I think for some of them this is why we like the partners to really make every effort to be at the class it's it's aimed at couples because you know, they're the ones that need to understand the process because they need to know how to support you and they're there to practice all the tools leading up to it as well. So, you know, it helps build that bond and that connection for the couples in preparation as well. And, yeah, it's really important that they're both educated and both ready. Yeah. And I feel like, um, you know, talking to friends and family it's almost like the partner kind of has to be like the gatekeeper in some aspects, you know, a a woman needs to be quite introspective and go into their own space. And I find, you know, particularly when I'm talking with first time parents in our prenatal classes, when I'm, I'm doing my postpartum doula work, I always look at the partner and say, you are the gatekeeper. Like you need to hold the space and hold the boundary for them because if they're in the zone, um, you need to be that person who's able to read the room. And if you think something's going wrong or something's right and someone's trying to come into that space and, you know, you hear of stories like, oh, well, you know, if we don't see another however many centimetres in, you know, two hours, then we're just going to have to induce you or we're going to have to do a caesarean. You know, you're in charge. You need to hold hold the line. <laughs> yeah, that could be the voice more Yeah. Than a pregnant woman doesn't want to answer questions and she doesn't want to have to say what she's thinking. So the more the partner knows and is prepared along with her preparation journey, the more he's going to be able to speak up and speak out and know what she's thinking and be that voice for her so she can just stay focused on what's happening in the labour and, you know, she doesn't want that distraction. So they're definitely the gatekeeper and the voice for the um, woman in labour. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. Our final question, which is what we ask Every one of our listeners, oh, listeners, every one of our guests, thanks, Renee. Can I tell her I've just dusting, <laughs> dusting myself off after um, not so many podcasts recently. What do you keep on your bedside table? Oh, 
a phone charger <laughs> and a little deer head that hangs my jewellery. Oh, okay. And that's probably it, maybe my Kindle if I'm reading a book. Oh, what are you reading at the moment? Are you a fiction or non-fiction kind of gal? Um, I am both. Um, I'm reading a book club book at the moment and I can't even remember the name of it. Isn't that terrible? It's a crime <laughs> novel set in the UK. Okay. Which I love novels. So, yeah, I use that to kind of switch off from everything else. I think everyone needs a switch off mechanism, especially when you're dealing with the birth space as well. It's nice to kind of branch out and probably not read so many birthing books and things like that mm. <laughs> after a while. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Okay. So thank you so much, Sherry. So where, if, if someone wants to sign up for a calm birth class, so you, you have all the Tasmanian clients at the moment, um, where can people find you? And if, um, if they're not in Tasmania, where can we go to, to learn more about calm birth? Australia's website, mm-hmm. which I actually well, I just type it in and it comes up. I think it's karma.com.au. Yeah. And my own website is Karmath Launceston. But if you, you know, just typed in um, Karmath Launceston in Google, uh, my website would come up. So you can register and book on my website mm-hmm. and you can also register online on the Australian Karma um, website as well. Actually, my last question just on that. So... Is calm birth applicable to people overseas as well or is it just within Australia? I think at the moment it's Australia and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. There's, I think there's over 100 educators Australia-wide. Mm-hmm. There was an educator teaching in France, but I think she's just moved back to Australia. So, yeah, it's predominantly just an Australian um, program. Okay. Yeah. And normally is it face-to-face? I know we're all in, in and out of lockdowns and things like that. Well, yeah, it's fuzzy, face-to-face. I only did Zoom for three months when COVID first hit. Yeah. But, yeah, face-to-face in my home and it's mostly run over a weekend, so a Saturday and a Sunday. I am sometimes running night classes and if it's a night class, it would be over four evenings. Mm-hmm. Magic. But all the dates are on my website. I usually try and keep the next six months going. I've got two classes left for this year and they're quickly filling up. December's nearly full. There's a couple of spots left in November. Oh, my goodness. Okay, people, get in. Get in on that. Thank you so much for your time. I very much appreciate it. I have learnt so much. I really wish that I had done a come birth class. Maybe my my birthing experience would have been a bit different, but I still loved my cesarean. I made it what it a very positive experience as well. Yeah, so totally. not all is lost, but thank you so much. And if anyone's got any questions about calm birth um, or Sherry, we will put all your contact details in the show notes. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. It's been great. My first <laughs> podcast. Yay. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. 
If you loved this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. If you know someone out there who would also love to listen to this episode, please hit the share button so they can benefit from it as well. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. If you would like to contact us, we are at ifillyourcup.com or you can DM us at ifillyourcup underscore via Instagram. You can find all of our services, including our postpartum in-home care and our Fill Your Freezer meal delivery service as well through both those channels. Thanks so much for listening.